Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Second hour of Seattle Sports Saturday here with you on 710 ESPN Seattle. If you missed any of our conversation in the first hour, make sure you're downloading the podcast, 710sports.com. Click on podcasts. Every hour of every show is there for you. Coming up in this second hour, we'll take a look at how the Seahawks locker room may be responding to Russell Wilson's comments and, and the fallout from the athletic article. I know a lot of former uh, Seahawks on social media had plenty to say, or at least they didn't say much, but the the emojis and the gifts that they were using, uh, Jermaine Kearse, Doug Baldwin, Richard Sherman, all saying a lot by not saying much. Yeah, it was a sandwich fest because they were subtweeting all over the place, Curtis. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, man. They were having the time of their lives on, uh, what was it, Thursday morning, just yep. tweeting GIFs and emojis, the zip the lip emoji. Oh, it, mm-hmm. Those guys, they love when there is drama with the Seahawks organization and they aren't even a part of it anymore. Uh, yeah, all of them, though, fun fact, Curtis, they all have the same amount of Super Bowl wins as Russell Wilson in that time. So it's pretty crazy true. that they have all been just as or not as successful as Russell Wilson. Interesting how that works out. Funny hmm, stuff. Weird. Funny stuff. Uh, a score update on the Husky-Arizona game that started when we started at 11 o'clock. Uh, it is at halftime right now. Arizona up 4 uh, with the second half just about to get started. Uh, the Huskies, this is their final regular season game. They will go to Las Vegas to participate in the Pac-12 tournament as uh, one of the bottom seeds. There will only be 11 teams playing in the Pac-12 tournament as Arizona. Uh, they banned themselves from the postseason this year. You know what? Not even mad. Not even mad. No. Bear down. Bear down. Bear Love down. it. Yeah, exactly. Bear down it, out, it, of the confer- out of the conference tourney. Who cares? Yeah, and your guys have less of a risk of, of contracting COVID and spreading it. And you know what? They get to go home. They get to go home. Not all bad. Not all bad. Uh, let's get into this hour's big three. Number one. Well, outside of the city of Seattle, pretty slow week for the NFL but still some big headlines in regards to some of the QBs around the league. And we'll start in Pittsburgh. Art Rooney has already said the Steelers aiming to work out a deal with Ben Roethlisberger, a restructured deal in the next few weeks by March 17th. So again, looks as though Big Ben will remain in the Steel City. He will be a Steeler going forward. And um, they'll have a little bit more cap space to deal with with his restructured deal. Now... John Lynch here in the NFC West saying that the 49ers anticipating Jimmy Gra- uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Sorry, Jimmy Graham will not be their quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo he will be their That'd quarterback. Be I hope he would, too. Man, that's a couple more wins then for the Seahawks. But Jimmy G, not Graham, going to still be under center for that team. And Deshaun Watson, we know about his demands. They continue the standoff between he and the organization down there in Houston. Uh, by some reports, including uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, say this could be a very, very long uh, sort of debate between the two. So a lot of big QB news there. What will happen here in Seattle? Will any of those things have an impact on what happens here in Seattle? We'll dive into the biggest headlines coming up in our next segment. Number two. 
Well, he's doing considerably better as of this morning, but we narrowly avoided a tragedy earlier this week as Tiger Woods involved in a one-car accident in Los Angeles this past Tuesday. His car skidding off the road. Woods was evacuated by emergency responders through the car's windshield as he suffered injuries to both legs. Tiger was transferred to Cedar sinai Hospital in downtown Los Angeles for a follow-up procedure on Friday. And the latest reports indicate he is in good spirits. So what does this mean for his golf career? Pretty much secondary to anything that's going on right now in his personal life. Uh, you know, rehabbing those injuries as well as the well-being of his two kids. We've seen Woods come back from a lot in his career. Uh, injuries, personal battles that he has had, uh, demons to overcome, winning the 2019 Masters. Uh, he's done that before, but can he do it again? If this is the very last we have seen from him on a golf course as a professional, what a 25-year ride it has been. 15 major titles, countless memories, just an incredible career. You kind of hope that it's not the end just because we'd like to see one last Tiger come back. But if it is, shout out to Tiger and all that he has given us over the better part of three decades. Number three. Little NBA update. Now, despite leading the Atlanta Hawks by eight points last night during halftime, the Oklahoma City Thunder made a dramatic and eye-popping change in their game. They changed their uniforms mid-game. There was issues with the Thunder and Hawks jerseys being similar color. Hawks have their red icon uniforms and the Thunder in their orange statement jerseys so tv crews struggling commentators in person struggling the few people um in person watching struggling so change was made thunder changed to their white jerseys and uh, just a fun story we thought that we'd throw that in there but standings update again jazz still up but the clippers jumping the lakers for that two spot uh with the lakers four game skid that they just snapped uh, last night, but in the Eastern Conference, the Nets now just a half game behind the 76ers for that top spot. Without Kevin Durant, who's announced he's sitting out until after the All-Star break to heal up some injuries, so the Nets might still even be able to grab that top spot without KD and just announced a few minutes ago, Kyrie Irving will be out in his game tonight. So James Harden will be asked to uh, score quite a bit, but uh, if I know James Harden, he won't be upset about it. No, he's going to get more shots than he's ever wanted to uh, put up there in his life, which, hey, shoot or shoot, and he is a shooter for sure. Uh, that is this hour's big three. Some honorable mentions. The NHL's Lake Tahoe series. We talked about this last week because it was going on right as we were ending the show last week at about 1 o'clock. Uh, looked amazing. Looked incredible. The unfortunate thing is the NHL didn't take into account the the amount of sunshine that was going to be in the area, and the ice started to melt during game one. They had to postpone that one until evening, uh, in Lake Tahoe, and then the very next day, that game was also postponed until the nighttime. It didn't. It, the The views of that game were some of the most spectacular I think I've ever seen in sports. Unfortunately, they could not finish the game in the sunlight because, well, when you play on ice, that is uh, two things that are not going to mix well. 
we reach that uncanny valley where it's too nice, right? Like there's the Polar Express where people think it looks too weird and too real. And then there's a weird dip and people don't believe it. It was too nice. So you had the dip. You had to come back down. You had the uncanny valley. So uh, that was our Polar Express. We all did it. We all survived it, though. And uh, But those pictures, oh, the daytime pictures were still... What, like you said, Curtis, I, I don't think it'll be easy to top that setting in a pro sports event anytime soon. I, I don't think so. It's going to be tough sledding uh, for anybody to top that. Uh, in college basketball, big matchup tonight. Number two, Baylor traveling to Lawrence, Kansas to take on the number 17 Jayhawks. That game's at 5 p.m. tonight. Uh, going to be some big shuffling going on as teams kind of make their last little. Uh, little you know resume builders here before the tournament starts in a couple of weeks selection sunday a few weeks away but uh i'm super excited for this year's ncaa tournament i think mostly because we didn't get one last year and i don't even Mm -hmm. care that it's being played all in one area of the country in indianapolis uh give me some ncaa tournament 16 seeds going up against one seeds uh give me all that because Last year left a bit, it left a bad taste in everybody's mouth not getting that NCAA tournament picks. Yeah, I, Curtis, I need to be reacquainted with True TV. I need to be reacquainted with <laughs> yeah know, those There's daytime TBS hits. Channel. It's not just pra- impractical jokers, right? Like, no, which is weird because I'm I'm just waiting for those guys to pop up in one of those games. It's like, oh man, Kansas was actually the impractical jokers the whole time. What the. <laughs> You just you 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 never know what you're gonna get when you tune into True TV. No. Um, but how about Tiger Woods though? We talked about that in the Big Three. Uh, just you, everything kind of stood still as the coverage of that was going on earlier this week. Uh, just hoping for the best in that situation, and it looks like you know in a terrible situation, he's going to be able to one day walk away from it. Um, but the legacy of Tiger Woods, how much golf he may have left in his, in him, who knows. But if this is the very end of Tiger Woods' playing days professionally, uh, Taylor, what do you – I mean, it's so hard to just encapsulate his career in, in you know a couple minutes here that we have left. But what what are you going to take away from what he gave to the game of golf? Yeah, I mean, he's one of the greatest winners. And, and look, the debate between he and Jack will always rage on between the number of major wins and <clears throat> their impact. But I care about what happens on golf courses at random weekends because of that man and Tiger Woods and the impact he had and the sports memories I have from watching him and, and – um, that famous chip in with the Nike swoosh and the ball rolling into the cup. That was during my sister's bat mitzvah. And I remember my dad and I huddling around a little TV to watch it and just losing our minds when he made that shot. And there's so many great things that come with Tiger and his impact on golf. I just, you can't thank him enough and the impact he had. And he will always be remembered as one of the greats in the sports, uh, in the sport and one of the greats in sports. So just, uh, you're so happy. He's still here that he was able to, again, one day walk away from this. They weren't, they didn't have to amputate his leg or anything like that, which was very much on the table this week. So 
you know, the thing we just care about now, the career, like you said, that's secondary. You want him to be healthy, to be around, to be that ambassador to golf, to be one of those faces in and around the game to help it grow and become bigger, even bigger than it already is. Yeah, uh, just hoping for the best with Tiger Woods. He is in good spirits, so uh, shout out to him, and, and hopefully he is able to uh, just live a normal life after this, or, or as normal as it can get for Tiger Woods. There is no mm-hmm. normal in his life, no. but uh, just being able to, to live a, a healthy life the rest of the way, that that's goal number one here. Coming up in this hour, what do you make of the lack of player panic shown by some Seahawks this week? in the fallout of Russell Wilson and the article posted on The Athletic. But up next, we're going to take a trip around the NFL, a quiet week in the league, but there was still plenty of noise made on the Deshaun Watson front. Let's get into that next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle, obviously not the only market with some strife between their quarterback and organization. The poster child for it, the Houston Texans organization. Deshaun Watson, it just continues with him and that front office there. Front office not budging, though. They still say that they have no plans of trading Deshaun Watson at this point. But Watson met with Texans head coach David Coley this week and reiterated he doesn't want anything to do with them. Taylor, we are about two months away from the NFL draft. How do you see this this standoff playing out? I don't think there's any way in the world the Texans can keep him. No, no. And at this point, it's going to be bad for business if they do. And they will lose out on some of the capital they can get from trading Deshaun Watson now. And look, to wait till after the draft, some teams might go out and draft someone with some of the picks you might be able to get from them for a guy like this. So there's a lot of ripple effects hinging on this one sort of domino to fall. I know I'm mixing metaphors there, but the domino is going to fall into a body of water and the ripples oh. will start after that. So, yeah, it's just for the Texans, they got to sell them. And it's unfortunate to have a franchise quarterback like Deshaun Watson and to lose him, but to have him sit out a year would be catastrophic for this organization to, to fall back that far and to return to being one of the worst teams in the league would be, it would take place in that entire year as he sat out. So trade him. It's really hard to do that. And you're going to, again, the city of Houston losing stars left and right, but you got to, you got to make the deal. Curtis, what do you think? Before the trade, do you see uh, Deshaun Watson in another city? Oh, I, I think his days in Houston are over. And whether it be him holding out this entire season and not suiting up for the Texans if they refuse to trade him or a trade happens, I don't think he ever plays another down for Houston because of just how toxic that front office has made that situation. Jack Easterby, Cal McNair, I mean, that's one of the worst tag team duos I've ever seen. Uh, It's just all bad news in Houston right now when it comes to that Deshaun Watson front. Uh, I, I can't think of anybody who is actually, like, in the bag for the Texans on this one. I think 100% 
of the public out there is like, yeah, Deshaun, you don't want any anything to do with that team. I mean, there are restaurants in the city of Houston that are refusing service to Jack Easterby now. That's how bad it's gotten. Even our guy, Shea Serrano, who is, you know, without question, a Houston Texan stan, to say the least. He's out there dragging him, too, and he's on Team Watson. Again, I, I don't see... For a league that mostly has their fans stay with the team and they pick the team over the name on the back of the jersey, it is the exact opposite in this scenario. And I don't think a single person is in the front of the jersey in the Watson versus Texans debate. Uh, another headline with the Houston Texans, they have decided to move on from running back Duke Johnson, who was due about $5 million. They'll save that money by cutting him. Taylor, you look at his numbers. He did not run so well this last season for the Texans, only averaging about 3.1 yards per carry. But that was following about four straight seasons of productive running uh, with the Browns and then with the Texans as well. If you wanted somebody here, and he's he's a good receiving threat as well out of the backfield. I believe he had, what, 74 receptions in one season at some point. Let's say Carlos Hyde doesn't come back. Let's say Chris Carson doesn't come back. Rashad Penny is Rashad Penny and Alex Collins are the only two guys you've got under contract. This is a hypothetical, but would you want the Seahawks to go out and get Duke Johnson, who's only going to be 28 years old this next season? Uh, I'm leaning towards no, Curtis, and it just feels like if they're going to do this running back by committee, they got to go cheaper and even cheaper than David Johnson to try and find something to where you can spend that money elsewhere. So I I would like to have a player that young, that quality on this team, but it just feels like it will be too much money with the other moves that they're going to be trying to make with Penny, the expectations there. And if they don't sign Carson, then they're going to have to really go cheap at the running back group position. And uh, it doesn't seem like they'd be able to afford him in that plan. Now, if he wants to come in for less money and compete that way, love it. Let's see Let's see that fire. Let's see that player. But it just feels like it's going to be too much for the Seahawks team to afford. Some, I, I guess, breaking news. Is this breaking news, Taylor, from Adam Schefter? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's news. It's news news. You know what I mean? I think that was the Brock and Salk segment. <laughs> Good news, bad news, no news, or news news. This is just news news. Josh Gordon, whose future in the NFL and with the Seahawks very much up in the air as he was suspended, then not suspended, then back on suspension, he has signed with the Zappers of fan-controlled football, a league that is going on right now where fans can pick the plays and pick all sorts of different stuff going on. Uh, that is, according to Adam Schefter, uh, that is the same team, I believe, that Johnny Manziel is playing on. So Johnny Manziel and Josh Gordon, teammates right now. Taylor, I don't think this is a move someone would make if they knew they had an NFL contract in hand. I don't think Josh Gordon is coming back to the Seahawks anytime soon. No, and uh, Bob Condota of the Seattle Times is tweeting out, Gordon officially becomes an unrestricted free agent on March 17th. Also remains indefinitely suspended by the NFL. So in a few weeks, he'll no longer have a contract with the Seahawks, no longer have a contract within the NFL. But yeah, this move, 
makes it clear that there's really no opportunity in the NFL for him next season, and he's going to have to prove it elsewhere to try and play back into it. And For those who may have reported that Josh Gordon was re-signed with this team, you may want to reevaluate some of the things that person says when they report. So, uh, Also in NFL headlines here, the franchise tag window opening on this past Tuesday. So far, nobody has signed the tag. Uh, Taylor, I, I know the Seahawks, they are up against the cap right now. I think they only have about uh, like 8 or $9 million in, in cap space with the cap floor being set at 180. But do you envision any of their unrestricted free agents getting hit with the tag here? No, and the, and the Seahawks aren't really a team to tag. Wasn't their last tag a punter or a kicker? It was, it was Frank Clark, but before that it was Alindo Mare. Yep, yep, exactly. So, look, and the Frank Clark situation, we know how that played out. It didn't really come back to help them in any way. So, other than the trade capital they got for him. So, um, yeah, it just feels like the Seahawks aren't really a tag-heavy team, and the deals that they could be making a tag for are too expensive to make. So, again, the, the, the money just doesn't make sense there, even if there is an opportunity. Yeah, the only guy I could see on this roster that would be hit with the franchise tag is Shaquille Griffin, and I think that tag number will be way, way too far out of the Seahawks' uh, price range. I think Griffin might be a candidate to, to walk in free agency, which, I mean, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a good player, but with all the other needs that the Seahawks have right now, I don't know how they can make it work financially with Shaquille Griffin. Uh, you hope that they can because that's a good piece to have, but it just doesn't seem very feasible right now. But how about this hypothetical, Taylor? The Seahawks in need of offensive line help. There's a 2020 first-round pick that is already being made available in trades. That'd be Titans first-rounder Isaiah Wilson, an offensive tackle from Georgia who only played about four snaps last year, uh, has really had a rough go of it in Tennessee drawing the ire of Mike Vrabel and GM John Robinson. First-round talent, only a year into the league, doesn't have a whole lot of wear and tear on him, but comes with the headaches that he has given that Tennessee team. Taylor, is Isaiah Wilson anybody you would have interest in the Seahawks acquiring? Look, the answer just is yes, I need to know a little bit more about the situation. I'd like to hear a little bit more about why things fell out so bad. But look, that's what the Seahawks need to be thinking about is buying low on some of these players to get the high rewards, right? And to reap the most sort of um, difference between what they paid and what they got for the player. So if you're not going to go out and sign the big name, big star offensive lineman, bring in some some competition to that offensive line group to some of those positions have them win that way have the contracts be cheaper so you can afford a little bit more that's the way i would go about handling it what about you would you try and go after a guy like this i mean if the price is not outrageous if it is something that the seahawks can absolutely afford i'd be okay with it but Mm -hmm. I don't know. The the way that he has sort of handled himself in Tennessee, not exactly the uh, the best way to go about business. So 
if the Seahawks don't go for him, it's it, 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 there's literally no impact. Like I, I won't care if they don't go after him. But you gotta you gotta check under that rock sometimes. Uh, that is it for NFL headlines here in this hour. Coming up next, a couple of players this week saying they're not too worried about Russell Wilson's future in Seattle. We'll dive into that conversation next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Busy Hard Seltzer text line is there for you. 710-710 to text your shout-outs to. That's how we wrap up every single Seattle Sports Saturday. Get those in in about 15 minutes. We want to read yours, and we'll give you ours here on Seattle Sports Saturday. But, Taylor, one of the biggest stories of the week, and I don't know if you can necessarily say it it was the biggest story of the week because you had the stuff with the Mariners as well, and and now Russell Wilson – yeah, uh, you know the story in the athletic. I mean, it's hard to pick which story actually was the bigger one of the week, which means it's a great week for us in terms of content, ton- terms of stuff to talk about. Can't complain yeah. about that. No, but we're also fans, which kind of hurts this. Like if we were just transplants from another city, and we didn't grow up Mariner fans, we didn't grow up Seahawk fans, we didn't grow up Pac-12 fans. Yeah, it would have been a little bit better. It would have been. It definitely would have been. But I would say in the weeks since Russell Wilson made those comments to Dan Patrick, which opened up the can of worms that we're still trying to put back together uh, over the over these last couple of weeks, one of the common, I guess, refrains from fans and from people covering the Seahawks and the NFL is, well, what do you think the other players in the locker room make of what Russell Wilson has had to say? Do you think he is he is made a wedge between himself and the other 52 guys on the roster? Or is this something that the team can get past? Well, this week we heard LJ Collier on the defensive side of the ball say, Russ is our quarterback, Russ is our leader. He's not going anywhere. We heard K.J. Wright, who is going to be an unrestricted free agent when free agency opens up in a couple of weeks, say pretty much those exact same words. Say, you know, as long as I'm here, Russ is going to be here, which you know, maybe that means when KJ leaves, Russ leaves. You know, there's that leaves that door open. But I think when KJ says that, he's not speaking facetiously. KJ's never been somebody to to you know have that kind of you know subtext in what he's saying. So with those two guys having already spoken for themselves and how they feel about this, do you think that is how the majority of the Seahawks locker room feels, or is there going to be more? mending offenses that Russell Wilson will have to do before uh, if or when he comes back to this team. To me, it feels like the majority are on the LJ Collier, KJ Wright page where it's just not going to happen. They don't, they don't think that way. And look, that might just be an NFL mentality. You don't really think about future moves or future deals until they happen because you know, everything changes in the NFL so quickly, right? So it just feels like in this scenario, the the player there isn't a lot of panic. It feels like from the players when they're talking that this is going to lead to a trade or a divorce this off season. But again, this is the, there are those little sort of things lingering there. We haven't heard from any offensive linemen. We're not most likely going to hear from Peter John anytime soon. Like they don't have to say anything, but. 
maybe say something to help us out here or maybe come out and say you have his back. We need to step up or maybe they don't agree. Maybe they disagree and they don't think that they played poorly last season and that most of it's on Russ. So I'd say the majority feel that way. Look, we know they all want to win. So they don't disagree with what he's saying about wanting to win more and being let down by not winning in the playoffs and beating that Rams team. Um, I think they all feel disappointed because they want to win. So in the end, that that goal is what will bring them together and not cause the divide. Some some people think might or is currently happening. Yeah, and I, I think with this Seahawks roster – uh, you know, we haven't heard from a lot of key players in the offense this offseason. Uh, you know, we've heard from DK say that their you know, offense got predictable at the end of the season last year and that they weren't able uh, to really fix that issue. Tyler Lockett, uh, at the end of the season, I think it was in the press conference following the Rams loss where he had pretty much aired out, you know, we didn't adjust to anything the teams did this season. Um you know, you've heard from them talk about the offense. You hear Russell Wilson talk about the offense, and there has been a much, you know, more different response to that than those two guys and what they had to say. Uh, to me, it, it just is kind of odd in how Russ gets, you know, the daggers thrown his way for his criticisms of the offense, which he is, you know, partly to blame for. I think, you know, Russ is not blameless in any of these situations especially you know the sack totals that he has taken I think you know a good portion of those sacks are his fault but if you take away let's say 20 percent of his sacks that is still a ridiculous number that he has had over the decade that he has been in the NFL Um, to me though I think a lot of the players on the roster understand what Russ is saying and, and understand where he's coming from and I think a lot of players also realize, like, hey, you've got a star quarterback on your roster. We see other teams that come into this building, and we go to other cities, and, and they have quarterbacks that are that are garbage, that are basura, as our friends to the south would say. Uh, like, why would you ruin what you have here in order to prove a point? That doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't probably doesn't make a lot of sense to guys in the locker room. Yeah, again, it just gets back to this idea of winning and what it takes to win, right? And they all are pushing in the same direction, whether or not they're they're using the same avenues or the same strategies. They're not because, again, Russell has more leverage even than Dwayne Brown. And, and good or bad, again, that's a whole nother – that's probably another week-long series of, of – do quarterbacks have too much power or too much say, or is their opinion worth, is it overrated? You know what I mean? There's a whole lot of those conversations. So we'll leave that aside, but we know again from ex players, current players, if you're in that organization, you know what you have, you know how special it is to be in this in Seattle at the VMAC with the winning way, the way they handle their business the, you know, the, the food, the, the equipment, all of those different things, they take care of you in Seattle. To want to leave, you're truly going to have to have good reasoning to get out. A Sherman, you wanting you know new opportunities with different coaches. Frank Clark, that big contract that he was owed. So 
to me, the people who are here and understand what it takes to win and how difficult it is, Bobby, KJ, understand that as long as they're there wanting to win, Russell Wilson will also be there wanting to win just as bad. Yeah, and I think that is where Russell Wilson's comments are ultimately coming from, his desire to win. It's not his desire to throw his weight around, which is what he is doing, but it's he wants to win and he wants to be remembered on the level of Tom Brady and on the level of Peyton Manning and on the level of all those greats that have that he watched growing up and that are, you know, in Brady's case that are still winning, that are winning at a ridiculous clip uh even at 43 years old. Russell Wilson is is somebody that cares very much about, you know, how he's remembered in this league and you know, he doesn't want to be the guy known as a great quarterback but one is only Super Bowl, you know, on the back of an incredible defense, which I think that team would not have been a Super Bowl contender had it had they had any other quarterback. I think Russell Wilson was a big reason as to why that 2012 or that 2013 team ended up hoisting the Lombardi trophy. But Russ wants to win. Russ is competitive and I think watching the Super Bowl time and time again in the last what 6-7 years since the Seahawks last played in it continues to eat away at him when he knows that there is the talent on these rosters to get back there but for whatever reason, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's play calling or protection or, you know, some in in-house drama or whatever, every single year they have fallen short of that goal of his to get to the Super Bowl. And, you know, six, seven years in a row of that, it's going to start eating away at you. Yeah, but again, it's not like the Seahawks have been idle that entire time. Tom Cable's gone. Bevel's gone. Shoddy's gone. Like, there has been turnover in some of these things. They stopped moving defensive linemen to offensive linemen. They, you know, they got a big time left tackle. They went out and did some of these things. So they, it just shows you that the organization also buys into it and that they're listening. Look, Russell just didn't all of a sudden start saying, I want these things, we need these things. Any good member of an organization pushes the, the leadership to be better because it makes everyone better in the org, whether you... You know, you work in sales at, a, at some company or, or you're an accountant. You want the people at the top to be setting the standard about how you go and compete for these things, whatever your court of competition might be. But still, there are people who will take these comments and see that it's a general criticism of everything and not just in this moment and what to do now. And if he says nothing and they take a step back, how does that look on him next offseason when we're talking? Well, why didn't Russ say anything? Why wasn't he vocal? Why was he saying robotic Russ? You know what I mean? That we could be having those different conversations with the same sort of theme if things were a little bit different. But again, to be in Seattle playing to win is clearly what it, this organization wants to do. Yeah, and, and if you look at those four teams that Russell Wilson listed this week, Dallas, New Orleans, Las Vegas, and Chicago, you add Seattle to that mix. Of those five teams, what's the best scenario for him to win and win big? It's right here in Seattle. 
New yes. Orleans has, what, $100 million that they need to clear from their cap in order to get underneath it. Dallas has a terrible defense. You don't know if Chicago's head coach and GM are going to be there beyond this next season. And John Gruden has it's really been, I think, one of the more overrated head coaches over the course of his career. He won the Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's guys. Yeah, oh, and and you got to play Patrick Mahomes twice, and you got to play Herbert, who looks like a stud twice. So, yeah, no, good good luck with that. Yeah, best of luck in Vegas if you do find yourself there. But coming up next, we want your shout-outs to the Busy Hard Seltzer text line. Who are you shouting out? We'll give you who we're shouting out. That's how we wrap up every single Seattle Sports Saturday. That's next on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. This is Seattle Sports Saturday. We wrap every single week up with your shout-outs, with our shout-outs. A lot of fun stuff for us. In a, in a week of tension, in a week of, of just n- nervous energy all throughout the week, you know, what's going to happen next? Uh, always glad to be able to have an outlet like this uh, on Saturdays and also Monday through Friday that we have here on 710 ESPN Seattle because it definitely helps pass the time when it feels like everything in Seattle sports, you know, I wouldn't say crumble is, is crumbling down, but it's I can't imagine anything is ever going to be what it once was before this last week. No, but what doesn't kill us, Curtis, makes us stronger. And now we are stronger as a city, as a fan base, as people ready for the next season, both in baseball and in football. But, yeah, tough week. First shout-out, got to be to the fans. Look, Mariner fans, it was tough hearing some of those things. Seahawks fans, it's tough hearing... And seeing, you know, your star quarterback in the organization feel like there's tension. So it's not it, it's not a fun feeling to be in the news this way. We'd rather be in the news for big signings, big moves, big deals, big opportunity and things like that. But again, we, we've been saying it for the past two hours. There is great opportunity for both organizations to truly come out of this better and maybe even to put themselves in a great place after this. Now, whether or not that happens, you got to tune in each Saturday from 11 to two to find out whether or not that does take place. But again, we're all in this together. We're going through this process as fans and we're going to hopefully be able to to talk with you about this every Saturday about what's going on and and, and what we think about it. Yeah. Uh, a couple of shout-outs on the Vizzy Art Seltzer text line, 710-710-425. Shout-out Chloe Larson, first Cougar Pac-12 swimming champion. Go Cougs. Oh, yeah. 22.18 in the 50 free there, Curtis. Go Cougs. You love to see that. So big shout-out to the 425 for letting us know that. Again, please be texting in, 710-710. Local stories, high school you know, college sports that are a little less talked about and we don't necessarily have the time to talk about, this is the perfect time to shout them out. Let's get them in. Let's highlight these stories. Because, again, we went through that whole week of bad stories and rough stuff. Let's get into the fun stuff now. <laughs> I wonder what uh, 710 Swimming Insider Stacy Rost has to say about Chloe Larson. Oh, first yeah, that's a good point. We should, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll try and land her for an interview, talk about the time, talk about Chloe's impact. Yeah, maybe. What's what's? How do you count strokes while under the water? Uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, one 
story I would like to shout out is uh, it, it's not from this week. It's actually a couple weeks ago, but we haven't had a chance to bring it up on the show yet. But uh, is college baseball in, you know, across country has, has started. And here in our neighborhood, uh, here in the Puget Sound, there was a really cool story in the Seattle Times written by Larry Stone a couple weeks ago. Uh, about Green River College, which is in Auburn, how their baseball team is going to have a first for anybody in their program's history or in their league's history. Louisa Gauchi, a second baseman, she will become the very first woman to play on the Green River College baseball team and in the uh, Northwest Athletic Conference, uh, the NWAC she will be the very first woman to play for any school in that conference uh, in baseball. I think this is an incredible, incredible achievement for her. Um, she, I believe, does a lot of work with Driveline, which is that baseball academy in Seattle and in Kent and uh, across the you know the Puget Sound area. They've got, a, I think, a couple of locations. But uh, shout out to her for breaking down barriers, breaking down walls, shattering that glass ceiling, um, and being able to get out there and play the game that she loves you know baseball is not you know just for the guys out there uh you know so early on like in middle school ages you've got girls veering off to play softball guys playing hardball you know that doesn't need to be the case everybody can play baseball and if she's good enough to play at the collegiate level which is something that not a lot of people listening have been able to do what you know yeah it's a you know junior college but I mean, still incredibly impressive what she's been able to do. Shout out to her. Best of luck to her and best of luck to the Gators. Yeah, I'd take Angie Mentick in the cage versus a lot of guys who think they are legit at baseball, that she is putting that lumber on that ball um, and that she can do it just as good, if not better, than a lot of people. So love that story, Curtis. And for me, a little bit sillier little bit weirder but yesterday was the anniversary and cut number one of one of my favorite and your favorite sports moments ever strike to claim it a strike to claim it and he got it who do you think you think you are Pete Weber, one of the greats. <laughs> one of the greats, one of the greatest bowlers, one of the greatest just sports quotes. It's ridiculous. It's fun. It's in the moment. It's competitive. It comes from a one-pin victory for a championship. It's just it's what makes sports fun. It's what gives us a little bit of juice and energy on a Saturday afternoon to talk some stuff with you. So if you can't get hyped about a little Pete Weber, who do you think you are? I am. I don't know what you're doing here. The layers of that story are incredible because I believe Pete Weber years later was asked about it and he, I think, meant to, he was being heckled by a fan in the stands that day and he meant to say, like, who do you think you are uh, trash-talking me? But his mind just went nuts in that second and was like, who do you think you are? I am, which is better than anything he could have said. That is truly one of the great moments in in trash talk, one of the great moments in just gibberish being said, because it it makes Mm -hmm. no sense, but it makes all the sense. And that's the most important thing. 
And to, to hit the strike on the last roll, he needed it to win by one, a nine-pinner that doesn't win it for him, to get all ten, to win the freak-out, the glasses that he wears, the style, <laughs> the panache, all of it. Yeah, he wore sunglasses it. indoors at a bowling alley. Yeah. Usually a very suspect move. Usually I'm calling you out if you're doing something like that. But to do it, oh, what style, class, it's everything. It's everything you want. I had a chance to meet Gary Thorne, who is on the play-by-play of that of that Ooh. strike by Pete Weber. And unfortunately, I never got a chance to ask him oh. about it, which is unfortunate. Uh, he was doing play-by-play for the Orioles, and he came into the Mariners booth uh, one night. And, you know, I, I would have loved to have had a chance to ask him about that because it is such a it, – it's something that has grown over time. Like, in the moment, it was huge. Nine years later, it's even bigger than it was. Uh, that is one person who I would love to have – and it, the great thing is, too, he let the moment breathe. He stepped away from the mic, and they exactly. were able to get Pete Weber going nuts. That's what all the greats do, Curtis. That's a great point. They let it, they take a step back, let let the fans enjoy it, let the players enjoy it, let them speak for themselves, quite literally, and go from there. Oh, man, a lot of good stuff uh, this week. Plenty of reaction to all sorts of stories in the Seattle sports landscape. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, the Mariners and their fallout, but hey, We've also got Mariners baseball coming up tomorrow, and I just want to shout out the start of baseball season. It's going to be a big undertaking for a lot of people involved in the Mariners organization and the 29 other teams across Major League Baseball, but baseball will be heard on your radio pretty much every single day from here through the end of at least September, hopefully October. I mean, yeah. you know, fingers crossed. Wishful, wishful thinking, wishful thinking, but... Uh, just super excited for baseball to be back in our lives on the daily. I know last year after everything had shut down in March and we were just playing the waiting game, waiting, waiting, waiting for it to happen. Uh, you know, getting the getting baseball back in July last year wasn't the same. We're getting it on time this year. Cannot wait for that. Uh, Mariners tomorrow taking on the Colorado Rockies. I believe it's a 12-10 first pitch right here on 710 ESPN. And that's going to do it for us here today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you're downloading the podcast, 710sports.com. For Taylor Jacobs, I'm Curtis Rogers. This has been Seattle Sports Saturday on 710 ESPN Seattle. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And.